Welcome to Debutiful. My name is Adam Vitcavage, and this is a podcast where you can discover debut authors through in-depth interviews about their life, their creativity, their craft, and everything in between. If you like what you hear here, you can support Debutiful by buying a Debutiful t-shirt at debutiful.net slash shop. You can also follow us at Debutiful on all social medias like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, maybe even Pinterest one day. Today's guest is a graduate of the Iowa Nonfiction Writing Program and also holds an MFA in fiction from the University of Arizona. Her writing has been awarded the Editor's Prize in Fiction by the Missouri Review, with notable distinctions from the Best American Short Stories and Best American Non-Required Reading. She is also a founding editor of Draft, the Journal of Process. Her debut book, Night Bitch, is out now, and it's also been optioned for a film to star Amy Adams. Her name is Rachel Yoder. Hey, Rachel. Uh, thanks for joining the podcast. How are you doing? You're in Iowa, right? I am in Iowa. It We're just getting the summer started here. You know, hot and humid is how we like it. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, hot and humid. I uh, moved to Denver. I feel like I always talk about the weather, but I moved to Denver about a year ago from Phoenix. So, like, it's like 100 degrees instead of 120. Like, Denver gets hotter than I thought. It's just. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I miss, I used to live in Arizona for 10 years and mm. I, I really miss that dry heat. I mean, I know that's what everyone always talks about, but give me 120 and no humidity any day over. I, yes, I love, like, it's like opening an oven when you get out of your car. It's just like all heat. It's so oppressive. <laughs> and then my girlfriend is from the South, so she really likes humidity. And it's like, I can't handle it. We went to New Orleans before the pandemic and I was just like drenched in sweat. Yeah, the sweat is out of control. Anyway, we're here not to talk about the weather. <laughs> we're here to talk about <laughs> Night Bitch, your debut novel, um, which will be out by the time this podcast is uh, airing. Uh, what's Night Bitch about? Well, Night Bitch is about a mom who loves her kid very much and is home with him. But being home with him full time as a stay-at-home mom was not something she ever imagined she would be doing. She had imagined this whole career for herself and other life as an artist. So when she finds herself at home um, with all of her sort of self-worth and time tied up in um, parenting and motherhood, she starts to lose it a little bit um, and becomes concerned that she may be turning into a dog. So it's, I think in, in a lot of ways, it's very realistic to the stay-at-home experience, but then it brings in a level of absurdity and I don't know if you'd call it horror, but just kind of, you know, acknowledges that there are other forces at work in the world that um, beyond the quotidian, beyond the daily forces. Yeah, and you're obviously a writer and, and an artist and also a mother. Um, I, and I, I'm going to reference this festival we did together a few weeks ago, uh, the 215 Festival out of Philadelphia. And I think we talked about this, but your husband kind of came up with the title. Am I making that up? No, you're, I mean, no. <laughs> he said not. the title? Yeah. He did. Um, I, I mean, I relate very strongly with Night Bitch. It comes out of my own experience. So, um, yeah, I was pretty, I, I went through a really rough spell when I had been home for about two years, you know, I quit my job 
which I loved and um, hadn't slept in a really long time. My husband was gone a lot for work. And this, this thing started where when the, when our son would wake up in the middle of the night and he was often sleeping in our bed, I just hit a point where I could not deal with being awoken one more time. And I was just really mean in the middle of the night. And so one morning he jokingly said, oh, you know, you were kind of night bitch last night. And I'm like, night bitch. Interesting. Um, but then that, that I sort of thought about that. And I had been thinking also about that very famous passage from Jenny Offal's Department of Speculation, um, where she's, where the narrator says, I never imagined I would get married. I had always imagined I would become an art monster. Um, and that had been something I had read when I was at home and that the, this idea of the art monster really resonated with me. Um, and so it kind of came out of those two things. At that time, were you already working on what became Night Bitch and the title kind of just fell or, or were you just thinking of all these ideas and they came together? I don't think I was working on it at that time. I, I wanted to get back into, I desperately wanted to get back to my writing, but had not been inspired um, since my son was born. For about two years, I didn't write. And that was also a piece of it that I was just like, oh, maybe I'm not a writer anymore. Maybe it, like my two MFAs in the last 15 years of my life were just a phase and now it's something else. And that was a horrible feeling to have. Um, but I think what, res what, what struck me about Night Bitch was that it was funny, right? There was, um, because I, I didn't, I couldn't understand how to write a book that was just purely rageful. And that didn't appeal to me either. I needed, I needed some sort of playfulness to it um, that would animate, animate the writing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I remember during the festival, we did talk about like your timeline about you did, you, you, you went the MFA process, you were writing and you were writing and then you, I believe got an agent and there was a book deal, but that kind of just didn't happen the way you wanted. And so is that correct? Yeah. I had a collection of stories as many people who've gone through MFAs do uh, that a small press wanted to publish. And the editor there very graciously said, well, have an agent look at your contract before you you sign anything. And she introduced me to an agent who's now my agent, Monika Wood, Triangle Hospitalary. Um, and it just turned out that it wasn't the right deal. It wasn't the right press. Um, they, they shortly thereafter sort of went under. Um, and so that sort of fell away. I mean, that was kind of another piece of it too. That was right in the middle of this dry spell. I hadn't been writing, I'd been at home. I'm gonna get a book deal finally. Um, I'm approaching 40 and then it falls through. And then I you know, feel even more sort of demoralized. Um, but yeah, but then, you know, night bitch, hap Trump happened. Um, <laughs> And I needed to get, as my son says, I needed to get the upsets out of my body. And I think the the book, starting to write the book was an exercise in that, at least in part. Definitely. And, and I, I'm just interested in like the idea of, am I a writer still? Like that question. Um, because like you said, 15 years, multiple MFAs, almost, or a book deal that 
just wasn't a book deal. And then you were an editor for a, a lit mag. You, like that's a writer's career, 15 years, that's a career. <laughs> what was it about not writing that made you feel like not a writer? Because like, not, you're, did you, like, did you, did you used to write every day or was it, was it a physical thing or a mental thing? Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, also at this time in my life, you know, I was still living in, I'm still living in Iowa City, but it was that maybe three or four years after I graduated when finally all of my writing friends had moved away. So everyone had sort of, my kind of cohort of writers had moved away. I hadn't made any new kind of mom friends or like adult friends. Um, so I didn't have the community I'd once had. I wasn't like going to literary events, going to readings. Um, and yeah, I wasn't writing. I wasn't working on the journal at all. I mean, all of that just sort of fell away. I mean, everything falls away when you have a baby, you know, like, especially if you're alone with the baby, it just kind of, everything gets rearranged. Um, and so I, I mean, I think a big piece of the story too is also just that I was incredibly isolated and my life felt very small and limited, you know, like, okay, my life is just being in this house with this child, keeping him alive and that's it. You know, like that's all I had the like time or energy for. And now looking back, it seems ridiculous that I thought maybe I wasn't a writer anymore, but at the time it just felt like I cannot conceive of, you know, I cannot conceive of how I'm going to return to my writing. And I had also never had a spell of time during which I had nothing to write. You know, like there was, there was nothing in there that needed to come out. It was completely gone. Um, and that would, I think that more than anything, like really panicked me. Yeah. And then so, you start thinking like Trump happens, the the funny night bitch comment happens. Your your son says get the upsets out. What was it like when you finally? I'm like I have something to write. Like was it overnight or did you slowly kind of get back into it? Um. Well, I had some kind of you know I had tried to write here and there. I thought I was writing essays. I thought I was writing a short story collection because I didn't even. I didn't know how to write a novel and I'd never really aspired to write a novel. Um, so I had these kind of fits and starts, but nothing was really coming together. And then I think what really um, brought the project together was when, I think when I wrote the first line, when I found, when it, you know, my husband kind of said night bitch, and then I got like a, an angle and a voice and an attitude. And that's what I needed. And once that attitude came out on the page, I was off to the races because I could, you know, channel that sort of angry, smart, sarcastic, funny, that thing just flowed out of me because it had been what I had been kind of keeping at bay um, for the first you know, as I was at home with my, with my kid, um, I had this sort of internal, just like shit show of a voice going on. 
Um, and that's what came out. Yeah. So as soon as I was able to sort of capture that, um, I think I also, this would have been in the summer of 2018. So this might've been a little bit later in the, it will, probably was a little later in the process, but I also did Thousand Words of Summer that Jamie Attenberg. And, and that was wonderful. I mean, it, it was this thing, I've never written like this before either where, you know, I didn't have time to just sort of ruminate and draft. So, you know, my husband would be like, I'm taking the baby for two hours. And so I had two hours to write at a certain time and it was just like, go. And so it was this sort of process of channeling this voice and just letting it say whatever it wanted to say. So that was really fun. For sure. In your previous writing before Night Bitch, was it, what did you need to start? Like you said, this was an attitude of voice. Are you always like attitude, tone and voice driven or was that just specific to this book? Yes. Um, usually if, usually what, what makes me go deeper into a piece is the way a line sounds or like you said, like an attitude or a voice um, that is interesting to me that I think can do interesting things um, in a piece. A lot of times also um, prior to Night Bitch, I would just be interested in an idea or a, or a formal sort of exercise. Um, for instance, my thesis at Iowa, um, it was all, it was kind of like formal experimentations and playfulness. It was all about like how, how these strange little pieces could kind of play and meander. Um, and so that's what kind of drove that body of work. Yeah. And I'm interested in the writing process. And, and I normally don't like talk about, well, because this is about motherhood and art, I'm, I'm just curious, writing with a, with a two-year-old, I think you said, I know your husband took them away or took them away. What was it like, like writing like and, and thinking, but also having to be a mom? And that's not a question I've ever asked anyone, but I'm only asking because it's like relevant to the book. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, like I said, I couldn't think for a long time and I couldn't write. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it was more one of those things where I didn't think about the writing as much as I had previously when I wasn't writing, you know, it was, it was this thing that was more cordoned off from the rest of my life. Um, yeah. And so that was a very new experience for me, and, but I do think that writing in motherhood made me more efficient with my writing. Um, so even though I wasn't maybe thinking about it so much when I was away from the desk, there was a lot, there was more kind of structure that I imposed on the writing ahead of time. I didn't know how to write a novel, but I knew how to write a screenplay. So I was like, okay, at about 50 pages in, that's the end of act one, you know, like something has to happen there and then um, should have a midpoint and then it should have a final act. So I, that was sort of my blueprint going into it because I didn't want to spend eight years, which in mom time would have been like 16 years, <laughs> um, sort of wandering around. Like I wanted, I wanted something that was really pointed and slick and drove um, directly toward its ending. Uh, and so I had these few guideposts along the way that really helped me to focus the writing and focus the voice and keep driving 
um, toward those goals. Definitely. Did not thinking about the work like throughout the day, was that, was that helpful? Because like, you're like, oh, I have two hours. I have to do this. Or was it kind of more stressful? I don't think it was stressful because the voice was so um, native to me. You know, like Night Bitch's voice is just, it was something I could conjure um, so immediately that it actually was this process of when I sat down being like, oh, what's going to come out? I'm so interested to hear what's going to come out. Or if there had been something that I was upset about, I would give myself the freedom to just write a rant about that in Night Bitch's voice. Um, and so, it, yeah, so it, I wasn't ever kind of worried about sitting down and writing. I, I, I felt confident that like, if I sat down for two hours, I could get a thousand words. I just had to keep my mm -hmm. eye on those on those guideposts. Is that still something you do now? Like not think about it and then really just go, go attack it? Or has your writing changed in the past two, three years as, you know, I mean, that yeah. bitch is coming out now, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it really depends on the piece. Mm -hmm. um, I had, I have this really long reported essay um, that I wrote probably two years ago now. And I wrote it and it was fine, but I didn't know what it was about. You know, like I didn't know what it was actually about. And so I, I put it away and I've actually just kind of, I'm like, it just has to simmer. And um, I think earlier this year, it finally came to me, oh, I finally saw how I could structure it and what it, what it could actually be about. Um, so yeah, I think it just depends on the piece. Some pieces I really, I feel like Night Bitch, I really kind of knew what I wanted to do going into it. Whereas other pieces are much more mysterious to me um, and take a really long time. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and you mentioned, so you, you knew how to write a screenplay. I, I kind of want to go back now. Is one of your MFAs in screenwriting or... No, it's not. But when I got my MFA at uh, University of Arizona, I took some under, they have a undergrad screenwriting program. So I took some classes in that. And then they also took screenwriting in the MFA uh, program. So it was always, it's always been something I'm interested in. I almost, I, I kind of wanted to go to film school at one point, um, but it just made more sense for me to get a creative writing MFA. So mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I just asked that because I know you're currently writing, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I just asked that because I know you're currently writing the screenplay for Night Bitch. Um, and I'll get to that later because I do want to talk about like that process, but more on, on this book. D did it end up being shorter and like you had to expand it or was it too long and you contracted it? I can't remember from our last conversation at the festival. Well, I wrote the first 50 pages, which felt very contained and sort of like a very long short story. Um, you know, at the end of that sort of first arc, she has her first sort of transformation. Um, and when I hit that mark, I thought, oh no, is this, is it done? Like, what do I do now? Um, because I had done the thing I knew how to do with a short story where I like kind of completed the arc. Um, so at that point, I kind of had to 
<laughs> you know, say, okay, you can do this. It's going to be a novel. This is just the situation. We've created a situation and now you get to sort of play that out. Um, so I think I was always worried about it being too short. Um, but I mean, it wound up being, I think, a very average length um, novel in the end. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, because you have written short stories, you almost have a collection. What was it like kind of getting over that hump and getting to the unknown? Did you, was it as easy as those first 50 pages or was it harder? How, like kind of talk about that. Yeah, there was a lot, you know, after those first 50 pages, you sort of have to, you know, bring in your B story. And I didn't know what my B story was. I thought, oh, well, there has to be, you know, just having the mom and the son and the dad is a pretty claustrophobic cast of characters. Like who else is going to come into this story? So I sort of wrote toward a Midwestern psychic at one point, um, but that like felt too kitschy and um, just wasn't right. So I sort of had to find Wanda White, who is this sort of mysterious author of um, a book that Night Bitch finds at the library and reads. And I've always loved documents within documents. Like I love a book in a book. Um, and I love then writing that book in the book. Um, and so once I kind of found that, that energized the book and started moving it forward because I could then start to imagine this book that Wanda White wrote and Night Bitch reading that and how it's, you know, transforming and affecting her. Yeah, and, and, and one thing I love is the voice. And I know we already talked about how like that voice, that attitude was in you. Was it easy for you to sustain that voice as the page count got higher and like you kind of got out of that phase of, oh, I'm not a writer. I'm like, you know, that, that, that feeling. Yeah, I mean, I think that really angry voice, which populates the first 50 pages does sort of, I and mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it sort of goes away as you get deeper into the book. Um, and it probably needs to, right? Because because that's also sort of resolving in the care in the main character in which, um, yeah. But, and I guess what I mean is like, but her the voice is still just good. It's snarky. It's not angry. It's just like there's energy there throughout the whole book. It does definitely shifts, obviously. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I mean. Yeah, I think I, I didn't I I didn't want to maintain that voice the whole book. Um, and yeah, certainly certainly there were parts I enjoyed that were that came more easily, right? And I enjoyed writing more. Um, and I think I did, you know, as I got, especially to maybe the last quarter, the last third. Um, that's where I sort of had to step more carefully, like find my way a little bit more carefully. It wasn't just spewing out a thousand words onto a page. Um, I kind of had to figure out how everything was going to converge rather than setting everything in motion with this explosive voice. It's like, okay, how do you bring it back in and wrangle all the threads and make it make sense in the end? Definitely. And then like once, once that draft is done, once you, once Night Bitch is done, I do want to talk, well, 
was how involved was Monica? Because I know we mentioned her, and she's and she's your agent, and I know of her work just from other things, and I want to highlight her in just general. Did what was her initial feedback with this? Yeah, I think you know I was looking through my back through my emails for some other interviews I was doing, and I saw that I sent her was sending her parts of it um, sort of as I wrote. So like after I had the first fifty pages, I sent it to her. And I think I just need, you know, she's also a mom. She has a, a kid one year younger than, than mine. I think I just needed her there to be like, yes, this isn't too insane and keep going. And so that's what she did. You know, she was like, looks great. Keep going. Um, and so we really worked on, you know, she really helped me shape again, sort of, some of the MLM stuff, um, because I, that's something that I sort of struggled with, with, you know, filling out that narrative arc and Jen's narrative arc. Um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't sort of major reshaping. It was more kind of thinking about, um, thinking about Wanda's progression and thinking about sort of the narrative arc progressions and making some adjustments before we went out. For sure. And, because it is kind of a weirder book, not the weirdest, but <laughs> I mean, eh, I'm, I'm going to edit that out completely. I, I don't know where I was going <laughs> with that. Uh, I was going to talk about like presses and whatnot, but what I, uh, so cut all that. What I want to talk about is the book's out, it's coming out and, and it, there's a, you're writing a screenplay for it. And how is that different than writing it because the screen is very different than the page what what are you looking at when you're adapting yeah I mean it's completely different um (laughs) it couldn't be more different uh you know it it would have it's it would be better to adapt a short story than to adapt a novel you know it fits uh, better into the the space that you have I mean writing the script during a pandemic I don't know for the adapting your own novel kind of for the first time I don't know I would recommend that anyone else do that it um, took over my life for the last nine months and I think the most daunting thing at the beginning was that I didn't have a process for doing it you know I didn't even know how to approach it um, how to approach taking the book and, and turning it into a script. And so I was found myself like watching screenwriter, you know, watching YouTube clips of screenwriters like, talking about how they adapted things. And I very much felt like I was back to square one, like a total beginner um, with it. So I guess what I discovered in the process is Um, you know, you just figure out how to do it by writing and rewriting and rewriting. I mean, it's a very expensive process, right? You write an entire script, throw the entire script away, write and, you know, because it, because it teaches you like, oh, this is what I need to do. And then you try the next iteration, throw the entire thing away. Um, Yeah. So it was a, it was a fairly painful process. (laughs) Um, But I learned so much um, and it's pretty fulfilling, you know, to be on the other side of it now, but, you know, a lot of the, I was able to see how in the book I got away, you can get away with a lot in a book that you can't get away with 
in a film, right? I can kind of write my way around things and over things. Um, like even the ending of the book, she has this final performance and I don't even really have to show the final performance in the book. I just sort of evoke it, but you can't in a script, right? Because it has to be something, it's very specific. We're gonna see it. So, um, so yeah, I mean that, I don't know if that answers your question, but. Oh, it definitely does. I, I, I just, cause it's like, they're two completely different mediums, um, obviously. And it's just like, especially with voice driven novels. I know there's a plot, obvious, like things happen, but uh, it's always interesting to me because it's like certain books. I'm like, yeah, I would love to see it, but how are they going to do it? You know? Well, and I think that that was one of my big challenges was how do you put voice into a script or tone? Because it's so flat in a certain way in a script. Um, and then I realized, oh, that's why people are auteurs. That's why they write their own script and then direct it because that's what you're doing, you know, as an author, like we are kind of, creating the entire world. And then you have just this little sliver when you're writing a script, like you're not gonna direct it. Um, you're not gonna edit it. You're not gonna do the sound design, but all of those things are like part of what's gonna make the tone of it. And I think too, I, you know, I wanted to write some, write a script that was weird in a lot of, I want it to be, um, I want it to do some weird things. It's not, it's not just a sort of straight, uh, straightforward narrative. There's some mystery in it. And so how do you kind of communicate that to a potential director without just utterly losing them and confusing mm -hmm. them? Yeah, definitely. And with this consuming your life for the past nine months, have you been writing fiction? Has that kind of been seeping into your life or not at all? Um, no, I mean, I've literally, I literally turned in the revision of the script maybe three weeks ago. Um, so now I've just been focused on book promotion and, you know, thinking about writing is just so, it seems like such a treat to be able to sit down and write something new. Um, so I'm just, yeah, looking forward to when I have the time for that. Yeah. And with like, book promotion, screenwriting, editing, night bitch. Have you had a chance to read anything in the past year? Is, has anything stood out to you? Um, yes, I'm really, again, what a delight to just get back to reading. Like, oh, reading, it's so great. Yeah, um, I have been reading Animal by Lisa Tadio. Is that how you say Tadio? Um, and just, yeah, I'm in awe of that book. Um, it's a book I, I read it and I, I think the highest praise for me is when I get annoyed at a book because I wish I had written it. And I kind of have that annoyance with the animal. I don't think I'm like, I don't think I could write it, but I just, I admire it so much. Um, and then there's this great book coming out, uh, later this year called Chouette by Claire Oshetsky. I think it's her debut. Um, and again, it's about motherhood and I, it's, it might be about a, an owl baby. Um, and it's, it's just very uh, mystical. Every line is so beautifully written. Um, it's incredibly weird. I, lo I love it so much. And then I am um, reading an advanced review of the short story collection, which is just 
knocking me back. Um, it's called Prepare Her by Genevieve Plunkett from Catapult. And the stories are, uh, yeah, I, I can't, I'm, I'm speechless. They're, they're so good. She's such um, an amazing craftsperson. Um, yeah, and I, I'm just really in awe in what, of what she's done with the short story form in her collection. No, I love to hear that. I, um, it's interesting, no, I guess not interesting. I'm not a mother, but I definitely love books about mothers way more than I think many men my age. <laughs> and so I, I, I definitely will check out Claire's book. Um, I love Night Bitch. It, it really spoke to me in ways I don't think maybe you thought it would speak to male writer readers, but God, it was so funny and so like, oh yeah, this is probably what motherhood's exactly like. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I am. I'm always so interested to hear what men think. Um, I have had a few male friends read it, and it's just, yeah, like whatever their take is, it's really interesting for me. Yeah, so. yeah I spent the past five years. I worked with families who had kids uh, with disabilities, but like I got, it was usually mothers I interacted with. The fathers because their mothers stay at home because whatever reason right but uh so I got really like in tune with my motherhood I think uh, <laughs> like you know like hearing them talk about like oh like he, the kiddo was up all night again and I was a night bitch <laughs> if they if they had said that I would have died and this book came out um sorry, I'm gonna pause real fast while that yeah. passes I, I I moved in the middle of a pandemic and like this apartment was super quiet and then it was the loudest it's the loudest street i've ever lived oh on. no i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> um yeah you look so demoralized i'm just like come on pass it's like i live <laughs> on the, and like it's the worst the governor's mansion i don't even know if he lives there he's like literally across the street which i did not know when we got this place and it's like yeah always busy um oh, no. Anyway, I don't know where I was going. I'll probably edit that part out. But okay. Rachel, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me on Day Beautiful about your book and, and your writing process. I, I It's like one of my favorite books of the year. I can't wait to just like include it in like my best of debuts <laughs> list thank six so months much. from now. Thanks so much. It was an absolute pleasure. Love the podcast. Definitely, Thanks for thank all you. you do, Adam. Thank you so much to Rachel for joining the podcast today. You can find her on her website at racheljyoder.com. That's racheljyoder.com. You can also follow her on Twitter at Rachel Yoder. Uh, and please also check out Triangle House, which we referenced a great uh, literary agency and literary journal. Uh, that's Triangle House. Please, if you like what you heard here, check out daybeautiful.net and follow Daybeautiful on social media at Daybeautiful on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. As always, I'm Adam. This is Daybeautiful. And you're all beautiful. <laughs>